Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Marcia Thaddison on the B Hour Network. I'm your host for For Your Health. Hi, I just want to say hello, everyone. Today is August the 23rd. We are so blessed to be alive, and it's a beautiful day here. I'm actually in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I just drove out of Atlanta, Georgia this morning to take care of some personal business for my family here, but all is good, and we are blessed to be alive. I'm going to say my guest tonight is Ms. Patsy White. She is the founder of Midlife Visionary. Today, my show, I'm so excited to have Patsy. Patsy and I crossed paths once before, and I truly believe a lot of times, and I mentioned to Patsy before we uh, started the show, is that sometimes I truly believe God allows us to have people in our past that they may be just for a season, but they may circle back to encourage us to lift each other up or to support each other or to take a journey together for his purpose. And tonight, I truly believe Patsy and I connecting together is for us to connect, to share her gift that God has allowed her to have in helping women. Now, Patsy, um, foundation, uh, her, well, she's a life coach. I'm going to bring her on and have her explain a little bit more about the midlife missionary, uh, visionary, visionary, and you're the founder of that, helping women in midlife, and I'm a midwife, midlife young lady, a midlife young lady. Can I say it like that, midlife young lady, <laughs> young <Yeah>. spirit? <laughs> yes. But explain to our listening audience who you are in this mission that you have been ordained to do as the founder of the Midlife Visionary. Well, first, Marcia, thank you so much for having me on your show. And I was so excited to reconnect with you uh, a few months ago. And when you asked me to be on your show, you know, I didn't know what life would look like from the time you asked me till now, but the timing of this is so beautiful. And um, and I really do feel like there's always a reason for us to reconnect, you know, when God brings us in each other's paths. So, yes, you are a midlife young woman. <laughs> so God bless you there. <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, you know, Midlife Visionary um, is a new entity that I just started this year. Um, But as I, you know, when I thought about it before I actually um, even came up with the name, you know, I realized that God had given me a gift um, really um, from the time I was a teenager to be able to see women who had visions you know, to see both their strengths and their struggles and to get in there with them. And so I've been coaching for decades. Um, I didn't know back, you know, I don't think coaches of this manner existed 40 years ago, but um, it was always something that wherever I was, if I was employed in a full-time position and the, um, the person I worked for was a woman, there was always some place where they created a position right under them with me because there was a way that I could shore up their vision, support them, and help them, you know, sister the joyce, you know, in order to help them, you know, bring their vision across the finish line. So midlife visionary, because I am a woman in midlife, 
Um, and, you know, it's debatable what you want to consider that age range. When the whole notion of midlife crisis came, it was, um, you know, women between the ages of, say, 40 and 55, which was the place where women came to where they were questioning their purpose. But to me, um, what came to me through my, my, my relationship with God was that this age group, and really the women who I work with are between the ages of 50 and 70. However, the women who are receiving my coaching services are over 70 and I'm under 40. <laughs> so the vision was what initially came to me, but who I'm actually working with is a much broader range of women. But we are at a prime place in our lives when we've got a couple of, you know, several decades under our belt where we've gone through some things. You know, we've gone through some things. We've seen our triumph through struggle. And we have some confidence and some skills that really are marketable if we get over the things that have happened to us in our past that make us feel like <laughs> we may not want to be that public. You know, things happen. We, 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 um, we accumulate things that make it difficult for us to want to try again. It's like on the one hand, we have lots of gifts and skills. On the other hand, we have, we've accumulated. So you know, is an opportunity. Go ahead. Yes. Before you go there, I want to kind of define what coaching is because a lot of times when I think of a coach, I think of a basketball coach, a tennis coach, a uh, uh, um, football coach, and those are the people yes. on the side screaming at that person or seeing their gift <laughs> and their talent. And it's been times that I've heard many testimony of some athletes that were saying they didn't think they had the talent or the skills, yes. but the coach saw something in them. And that's that yeah. visionary. You would see that in other in women, because a lot of times we as women, even I'm guilty to this day. Sometimes you know, with the kids, the grandkids, or somebody else, I would allow them to steal my time or what I'm doing because I'm so used to being a rescuer or trying to take care of someone or nurture someone and. A lot of times, women in that age group that you're reaching out to done lost a spouse or a child or they're retired and we're so busy running and chasing for others, we have yes. not chased for us. So to me, when you say you're this life coach to these women, I see you on the sideline of their lives or women you connected with to see their gifts because, you know, everybody need a coach. You know, I think our parents are supposed to be our coach, our teachers are supposed to be. And, not, and some people are fortunate to have that, that mom or dad that can see their inner gifts and coach that out of them, you know, to be the, what God had designed them to be. And some of yes. us may be late bloomers where we need to bloom later. Look at Moses, you know, when God called him, how old he was, or Abraham, you know, that they weren't yes. doing chickens. So um, explain to us the coaching part, more into the coaching part when you meet with women, how is this coaching becoming a build a relationship with coaching with these women? Great, great question. So to back up to, you know, what you mentioned about an athletic coach, you know, on the sidelines, you know, kind of yelling encouragement or bringing something out in the person that they didn't see or didn't know they had in them, 
there's lots of different kinds of coaches. So an athletic coach is one. There's business coaches. There's job coaches. There's hiring coaches and spiritual coaches. It's a coaching relationship. You know, it varies completely depending upon the coach. But you are, you, you've taken a position with this person, you know, with their agreement, that you are going to be, you know, the eyes outside of what they sense their limitations are. And that you, you know, and people come into coaching relationships for a lot of different reasons. So for Midlife Visionary, when people come to Midlife Visionary, many of them, they come because, um, one, they may have, like you were saying, maybe they have an empty nest. You know, um, they're not taking care of anybody. Um, Maybe they've lost the people they've been taking care of. But they know there's another part of them that's unexpressed, you know, that might be under the grief that they've experienced or under whatever the separation or just even under the feelings of being lost, you know, like, you know, that they um, aren't sure what to do next because their life has been about taking care of other people. Or there might be women who come because they've been in a career and they were really good at that career, but that career did not scratch the itch of wondering why they're here and what their purpose is. Because sometimes we can be really good at something and we can be compensated for it, but it's not really why we're here. It's not the purpose that God has put us in. And then sometimes we can be in relationships that really don't support our being fully who we were meant to be because they're people who really prefer that we continue to take care of them and see after them. And so they're right. not really interested and they're not really interested in our growth. They're interested in us maintaining their maintaining their lives. And you know, so there's a lot of reasons. And then sometimes um at this age people say, Well, women can feel like, well, I have so many skills and I'm working for other people, but I know that there are people being paid for what I do, but I have no idea how to monetize my gifts. So that's another reason. So lots of um, folks come in, and sometimes another reason is that women may feel at at our age that it's too late for them, but part of them feels like it can't be too late, like there's still a possibility held out there in their heart that they can, like you were talking about Moses or Abraham or Sarah, you know, that, you know, that or Elizabeth, that there is, there's something in them feel afraid to take the risk because, you know, the older we get, the more people will tend to run their, um, oh, maybe you, you know, maybe you're past your prime. You know, they'll run their stuff about age limitation at you and make it feel like it's not trying to pursue. So as a coach, as I'm working with women, the Holy Spirit does give me, I, I really see, I see, like, you know, every woman I talk to, they have some sense of what it is that God has put in them. But my my role is to continue to hold out to them not only how it's possible, but help them develop the steps to get there. But the primary thing I'll say, one of the things that I believe separates me from <clears throat> some other coaching services is that my foundation of how I work with women is based on God's purpose for them. 
And so we always start with the foundation of relationship with God because God is our designer. God knows why Mm -hmm. God made us. And so if we start with that foundation, then um, everything else, it comes from that, our divine identity, our disciplines to maintain that relationship, the vision of what it is that we have coming to us, you know, our purpose and our vision. So everything is founded on our creator and who God created us to be. So a lot of women, that, you know, that come to you or, well, let's put it this way, women, like you had said, that um, would need, maybe need coaching are the empty nesters or people that have lost a loved one or have not fulfilled their purpose, even though, like you said, they're getting paid monetary, they're getting the money, but they don't feel like this is where they're supposed to be. And I've met people who walked away from good jobs because they yes. felt that emptiness or not being fulfilled in that position or not happy. And people have walked yes. away not knowing what they're looking for, how to find it. They just know that yes. that void. And I truly believe our creator created all of us with a void that can yes. only be placed, be replaced or seek fulfilled when we fulfill his purpose for us being here. And that's this yes. journey in life to find that. And a lot of times, as I said earlier, some people have parents, grandparents, or teachers or someone to help them to find that purpose. But a lot yes. of times, a lot of us don't find that until we're late in life or we come to the point where we're just sitting still and you realize, wait a minute, I remember mm-hmm. I used to like to do this or I used to want to sing or I used to want to dance. Um, yes. So it's never too late. And a lot of times we pitch a 55 retirement, sit in some retirement home, watch TV, and and I think we should learn to live beyond that. And I truly believe that's what you're coaching us to do, the women in their mid, uh, midlife. Is that correct? Coaching them to live beyond that uh, sanitary lifestyle where we just do a little thing and maybe do a little uh, senior citizen trip. And that's it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, and the – so one of the things that I always ask somebody before I work with them is their level of motivation because just what you were talking about, when somebody's in a place of resignation, they don't necessarily have hunger for something different. And unfortunately, oh. many have – um, have kind of medicated themselves, whether they're medicated, and this is not to disparage anybody who has to take antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication or anything like that. But what I do know is that oftentimes the places where we become depressed, the places where we're anxious, are the places where we're not connected enough in our relationship with God to know what our purpose is and our and our, why we're here and that when we're off the mark when we're off center when we're not connected to God then we have to use other things to cope we have to and that's where we can lose ourselves in taking people or you know mm-hmm. in the TV or using activities to not notice that we're unfulfilled 
And so when I, when someone, um, usually when somebody turns to coaching, it's because they really want to have a different experience of their life. People who turn to business coaching, like if somebody's got a business and they get a coach, statistically their profit margin goes up at least 46%. Wow. In other words, yes, in other words, coaching, the, the biggest names, you know, out there, you know, Oprah Winfrey, you know, presidents, you know, United States presidents, um, sports figures, um, some of the most well-known faces in the public arena all have coaches because it's like, it's like this. Okay, so if you had, if you had six adults and you um, blindfolded them, six adults who'd never, ever seen an elephant and you blindfolded them, and you put one at its trunk, one at its tusk, one at its ear, one at its leg, one at its body, one at its tail, right? So, and you ask each blindfolded person to describe what an elephant was. Every single person mm-hmm. would have a completely different description of that elephant. A coach is able to look at the whole elephant and say, okay, I'm going to help you see what this whole elephant is and it's a process of discovery because just like we can't see the whole elephant when we're blindfolded, we can't even see our whole self. Only God right. can. Right. But a right. can help that person discover who they are. And so with the woman who's in her midlife, maybe she's modeled herself after other women and that was what she thought success was. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole or the self. Yeah. Say it again. Now, that's like the image. There's an image out here how women, yeah. the size women supposed to be, their complexion, their hair, um, yeah. all that has a profound effect on their image of themselves, their self-image, mm-hmm. not even just to yeah. love themselves or to respect themselves. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Now, when you're when coaching, what about relationship? How do I know? You or someone else you're working with is a good match to working with that individual personality um, because uh, a coach can be hard and they're driving you and you're driving someone not just physically but, but emotionally um, and uh, spiritually to a place of finding who their real purpose is. So how do we go about making sure there's a good match of you being a good coach? For someone, yes, yes. So there's a um, there's um, matchmaking on both sides. So when a woman is looking for a coach, she has to really listen for whether this coach has what she needs and what she feels like she needs. Now, for most of us, we don't know all of what we need. We we know in part what we need, and if we feel like that coach can provide some of that then we will usually go with that person. Now, for me, and but, you know, you, I know that um, I've talked to a number of coaches and, you know, I listen, you know, because I, I have coaches. I have more than one coach. So I listen. And when I feel like that coach really speaks my language, then I know that that is probably a good fit. When I'm listening to a woman who I'm considering to bring on as a coaching client, I'm listening to one of the big things I'm listening to is her level of motivation. And I even ask a woman what her level of commitment is. 
Now, I've had somebody say they're completely committed, but then as I hear the rest of their language, they're not. And it's not, these aren't even critical things. It's just that there are so many facets of who we are, and we're working against ourselves, and we don't even know all the ways we're working against ourselves. So if I'm talking to a woman in, like I'll do what's called a strategy session, and the strategy session is an opportunity for them to lay out what it is that's on their heart. And then as I listen to them talk about the language around what's on their heart, I can get a sense of their motivation and their vision. For some of us, we just want to get out of the situation we're in. We don't even have a clear picture of where we're heading. We just know that life right now is unbearable. Now, so somebody... Do you, Go ahead. Do, I'm not going to cut you off, but do you open, ask some open-ended questions? Because a lot of times we don't know we're messed up. And I use this or know what's going on. Because I use this analogy a lot when I'm talking to my girls, my daughters, is mm-hmm. that, you know, if I was growing up, if I grew up in a house where everybody put their shoes on the wrong foot and we everybody in family, we, we did this for years. And it wasn't until I got outside of the house and people were looking yeah. at me and I noticed everybody got their shoe on the right foot. I mean, yeah. everything, you know, left, left. And then all of a sudden I want to switch. I'm uncomfortable because I've objected myself to being it on the wrong feet. And sometimes, you know, you, no matter how, you, you're going to put yourself back in a situation where you're comfortable, even though you know it's wrong, it's not the proper yeah. way. But you're gonna put yourself in a situation where you where you feel the most comfortable. So mm-hmm. opening the when you're doing your analogy with them and opening questions, that way you can get a clear picture of their commitment or who they are or what they're going through. Am I right about that or no? Yes. And because everybody's in a you know, you could take a snapshot and think that, you know, you could have five women who all are in a situation where they have an empty nest. And let's say the empty nest happened all in similar ways. The children grew up and they got a divorce. Okay, let's say that's the scenario for these people. But for each and every woman, what her history has been, what her motivation is now, what her level of pain tolerance is, like in other words, has she been putting up with a lot and doesn't know that she can actually have something different? Um, is she, wow. um, you know, is she in a place where um, she doesn't care what it takes to get to a better place? She's going to do it. And then it could be somebody who's like, uh, I would love to believe that there's something different, but I don't really have that kind of faith. You know, and these are just five random examples. So, as, as a coach, when I'm asking someone about their life and where it is that they feel that God is calling them, I'm making all sorts of assessments, but it's not assessments about their capability. It's an assessment about what is moving them, what is driving them, and, and will they, um, have they committed enough in their actions and words to convince me that they're not going to quit in the first week. Now, I'm not, I'm not a, um, I don't have the prophetic gift to see that in three weeks they're going to quit, right? right. But I do right. have the ability right. to encourage them because 
sometimes when when women come into the program and they look at their life, it feels like it's too much, too much to take on. Like, let me just go back into my cave and hope that in five years I'll right. feel better. But mm-hmm. my job then is, is to say, well, we're not going to go from, we're not going to go a thousand miles. We're just going to go a hundred feet and see what that feels like. And so instead of a thousand okay. miles, we go a hundred feet and they say, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Because it's never one size fits all. It's always where is that person and what will open a path for them to be able to move forward. Some women are like, they're clear and they're gung-ho and they're ready and they're going. And for them, I'm just affirming what they already know about themselves but don't have the confidence to carry it out. Does that make sense? Like, because we're all, we've all been, we've all been slammed in different ways. So, in, you know, slammed by life. And so even as right. our faith calls forward and we say, okay, God, I believe you can get me here and I believe what you say about right. me, but fear takes over. So then it's yeah. like, well, then we work on how we dismiss the effect the fear has on that person. Does that make so sense? So it does. It makes sense. So we're setting goals, meeting these women, finding out who they are, where they would like to go, setting goals, and having them to find some type of belief in themselves and their dreams to find out what those dreams are and giving them a start or beginning to where they can. So, if you know, like you said, just give them, okay, just take one step and how they feel in, in making that one step and one change. And as they're making these steps, you're helping them to deal with their anxiety and their stress on this journey because it can be stressful to do something different or out of the box or um, something that they, don't, they didn't believe that they had the strength to do or the ability to do. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. So, yes, um, the foundation of the coaching I do is based on the word of God and based on God's truth. So when, and in God's truth about us, that we're fearfully, wonderfully made, that we're, that we're um, God's masterpieces, that God made us out of the abundance and the overflow of his love for us, that God designed us like God made the world, you know, God made the world, mm-hmm. but then God made the masterpiece. The last thing that God made was us. That we bring joy, that he's singing and rejoicing over us with joy. He's shouting over us with joy. So first of all, the most important thing is that women know that they're not here to work for God. God made us for God's pleasure. God, God, you know, Revelation eleven four says, four eleven season says, you know that, you know, all God made all things, and for His pleasure, all things were and are and were created. So we are pleasing to God. Period. And that the the purpose of us, the things that we do, are a result of the overflow of the intimacy and the relationship we have with God. So the closer and the more intimate we are with God, the fruit of that is our ministry. It's not us finding a vision or finding something we're good at and then trying to be good at it and get a coach to help us. It's that our creator wants a relationship with us 
that's intimate and and communicative and a partnership. You know, I think it's um the Passion Translation says in Psalm 23, you know, God is my <clears throat> best friend and shepherd. So we build everything based on the relationship with God so that the overflow of that is what the ministry is. Because the closer and the more intimate we are with God, the clearer it is who we are and what we're here for. So the steps so, and the goals, they, they, those steps and goals actually come out of the relationship with God. It doesn't come from me because people start getting enlightened about what God has put in them. They have revelations while I'm on the phone with them, or they have revelations while I'm on the Zoom call, or, or when they're doing the homework, they'll have revelations about what God is showing them. And my job as coach is really the way I work, is my job as coach is to point people, people, you know, women, back to their relationship with God. And the work, the primary work happens in their prayer time, meditation time, doing the homework, doing the things that bring them back into their, or for the first time, into deeper relationship with God. Oh, that's powerful because when you're saying this, I'm listening to you share this. I can just see, okay, the word, the power of his word reveal how beautiful they are, regardless of what mom or dad or whatever situation we've been through in life, he, we're all beautiful. We're all created equal. And then being able to have that individual from a spiritual side get the uh, the understanding and see the light of who they are spiritually, that's when they will find their vision. And that's when it becomes yes. a light or the vision will come. It may not come all at once, but they get a glimpse of who they are, first of all, being a special person belonging to God. And that they yeah. had a purpose, even though their lives may be, or maybe sometimes you'll be like, what did I do? I just messed up. I yeah. just, but this person, I, I, you know, you go through this for crying, feeling, yeah. not feeling like you're worthy. And then he just shows you like, yes, I knew you before you was in your mother's womb. But I'm here for you. And this is who you are. Yes. Wow. Yes. So the five steps of transformation, that's beautiful. The five steps of transformation for my program is, one, deepen your deepen your God connection. Two, discover okay, you your divine what? identity. We're going to cover that when we take a break. We're going to take a break. Just remind oh, the listening sure. audience, we're going to be our network for your health, Marsha Patterson, and we have the pleasure to have Ms. Patty White, the founder of Midlife Visionary. So we're going to get a She's going to give us the five steps when we come back on the, on the, after our break. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. Too many storms have passed your way and you're all washed out. Cause it rained on your parade Seems nobody cares about you anyway Now you're living your life like a castaway Search for strength inside Was it all in vain? 
right now, but it sure could be a lot worse to be blessed. All right, you're back with the DR Network. I'm your host, Marcia Fatterson, and today um, my guest is Ms. Patty White, founder of Midlife Missionary, a Visionary, an initiative to help women in midlife relieve life's limitation and re- rediscover their purpose. At a time when many many people feel anxious, fear about their future, Patsy helped women gain a sense of security, direction, and purpose and vision through deepening um, their relationship with God. And she talked about that. We're going to talk about five steps or some steps that she was going to share before the break. But I want to share this a little bit too, Patsy, before you give us the steps. By me having a business yesterday, today, and then I did the blog talk radio, it's been so many times in midlife, I keep saying, okay, God, why am I getting this at this stage of the life? I should have had this when I was 20, had these visions and these dreams and stuff like that. And I get a little anxious and frustrated sometimes because things aren't going the way you want to. And sometimes I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm just too old. I shouldn't be able to do this. And it's been times Mm -hmm. that I've actually kind of put the torch down and say, okay, let me get out here and try to find a job, and it don't work, and I'm not happy, and I'm like, okay. So I had to pick the torch back up, and then I remember the other night I had some trouble with the website, and mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not a website person, and I'm frustrated, and I went to bed. But before I went to bed, I said, okay, Lord, I need to know what to do. I don't know what to do with this website. What What am I doing? What You know, I'm going back and forth. And yeah. It's like a voice, an inner voice came to me and said, you did not register, you did not activate your, your end of the website. <gasps> uh. I, I don't know nothing about activation. And sure enough, I called the guy and I didn't, I had not activated my thing. So I'm like, that's my key. That's my knowing that, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Cause he gave me the, <laughs> he gave me the break. I had no clue, but I, Know that even at old age, um, midlife, both men and women, we can have some value to our community, to our family, to our uh, our government, everything. Because I think sometimes we put old—I shouldn't say old—we mid- midlife. They want to put us aside and make like we have nothing else to contribute. But yes. you're letting the women know, especially because you work with women that you do have a vision, you do have a purpose, and you're going to talk yes. about those five steps. Yes, beautiful. And, yeah, and I just want to just um, affirm what you said about that experience when you were talking about, you know, when the Holy Spirit told you you hadn't activated. It's like, yeah, that it's like part of what happens is we get we can get so overwhelmed emotions and frustrations that we can't remember to slow down and realize that God is talking to us right now, you know, or we have a, a, a cloud of the wrong witnesses telling us that it's too late for us. And, you know, you don't have a marketable anything because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there many people are invested in us, you know, staying small because that's how we can be quote unquote managed. But, in terms of what God has called us to, God may, I mean, 
<laughs> ministry has I'm going to get to the five steps, but I feel like I really feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say this about that ministry um, has become um, kind of saturated with the world's picture of what success is supposed to be, what business is supposed to be, what profit, what numbers. So, you know, a whole schema of things that really don't have anything to do with what God has called us to do. So whether we as um, women in midlife, whether our flock is a handful of children whose mother was either killed or is on drugs or in prison or something, our, our flock might be seeing that those children get what they need to become what God has called them to do. Our flock might be a business, like, you know, yesterday's Kitchen for Today, that reaches households and helps transform people's behaviors. You know, the ministry could be global. It could be teaching. It could be, um, it could be creating something that transforms somebody's life who has a disability. It's like the things that God calls us to do do not necessarily fit with what many of us traditionally have understood ministry is supposed to be. And so part of it is is breaking the mold or the limitations we have in our minds, you know, so that we're not feeling like we're crazy because we feel like God is calling us to design a shoe that doesn't make women's feet cramp up and make their hips need replacement when they're in their 50s. So it's any number of things that, um, God can send us, designed in us, that our process of coming in to closer and more intimate relationship with God reveals those things. So the five keys of transformation, <clears throat> excuse me, if you imagine a triangle, the base of the triangle being the the widest, you know, that part of the triangle, it's not an upside down triangle, it's a triangle with the base that's wide. The first Step of that is deepening your God connection. So as I as you would so put you put it so well, Marsha, exactly about that that intimacy with God being the foundation for understanding identity. So the first step is deepen your God connection, so that you're intimately hearing from, understanding how much God loves you, understanding that God has so much mercy, so much grace about you and your life, whatever we think about our lives and what we thought our lives ought to have been, that is not God's opinion of us. So the first step how is deepening your Yes. How do one do that? Because, you know, um, Patsy, I'm finding so many young people don't believe in God, don't read their Bible. Mm. Uh, they don't have a sense of purpose of who he is or even knowing who, how to pray or reach out to mm-hmm. him, how does one um, deepen their, um, their their relationship with him or the condition with them? How does one do that? Because it it's my mind how many young people believe that when you die, you just go to sleep. And I'm like, hmm. okay, no. Or they don't have that spiritual connection in the homes anymore. We have the mm-hmm. um, Internet cable, um, video games, everything's there but him. So how do one deepen that connection with him? 
That is a big question. So I'm going to start it from um, within my age group because I don't okay. have children, but what okay. I, but I know many women my age do. And mm-hmm. honestly, this, I mean, there, it's not just women in our age group, it's men in our age group. There is a whole, there are generations behind us that aren't getting benefit of any of the things that, not any, I can't say exclusively, but they are not receiving benefit of what we had. And a lot of times, um, and uh, oh boy, how how much time do we have? <laughs> a lot of times. Just go ahead and do what, thing, girl. We yes. it out. Yes, what yes. makes it difficult for us to connect with our young people are the places in our own youth that we haven't let God's light and love process for us. Because when we have um, unhealed, unwhole places in us from our youth, maybe people beat us over the head with the Bible when we were young and we were making decisions that did not benefit us and we carry condemnation about it. So when we don't let God's light into that place, it means we carry that same condemnation to the young people we're supposed to be ministering to as it was to us. So understanding one of the ways that we can deepen our God connection, and really, you know, the the beautiful thing is God is after all of us. God wants everyone. God wants not, not one to perish. But part of that is being able to make a space safe for someone to first notice that there is a God who's not mad at them. God is not trying to send people to hell. God is not trying to catch you in your sin and make you feel bad. The, the, the What we call conviction, which is actually guilt, does not come from God. Guilt was not created by God. Guilt came with the fall. Fear came with the fall. Condemnation came with the fall. Those were not things that God created. So part of the role of of helping women understand, and even any young person, and even in the conversations I've had with people, is first to understand or even picture or consider that God, excuse me, is not a condemning God, and to understand what it actually means to be loved by God. Because sometimes when people understand the word love, they don't even know what that word love means. Because, you know, you might be in a family where it's thrown around all the time. See you tomorrow. Love you. All right. Have a good day. Love you. You know, but understanding yeah. what love actually is, is, it's a process. So first, helping dispel the myths about God, that the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament it's like we're in a different agreement, and we're not the Israelites, you know. So being able to teach to people's understanding, teach to women's understanding, just like Jesus and the woman who was caught up in adultery, you know, like being able to understand that the love, God is not looking at our behavior. God is not looking at our mistakes. 
God is loving us despite our mistakes, despite our behavior. Those things are irrelevant to God. As far as from the West, God's removed our transgressions. So we, um, so beginning, deepening our, our God connection is the process of starting to understand that all of the places where we were condemned by people and then learned to condemn ourselves is not God's image of us. So we have to, that, when we get a, when we get a, when have, we get a representative, we have to say, regarding what you just said, wouldn't yes. one have to, I know he's a forgiving God and he's a loving God, but we have to ask for it. We have to ask for forgiveness. We have to come with him with a um, with a sincere heart and mind to re- to repent of our sins because our sins just don't easily wash away. We have to be asked for forgiveness of our sins. Okay. So if you knew that God was forgiving, then you could do that. But you wouldn't ask for forgiveness from someone who you think is going to condemn you. You wouldn't even try. Okay, gotcha. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yes. So being able to understand that God is not the source of that condemnation. God wants us to run, run to him. Yeah. In times of trouble, in pain, in sorrow, in mistakes, in error, in all of the deep regret and remorse when we mess up. God wants us to run, run to him and say, you know, God, help me. You know, because we have, well, you know, when you know that someone can forgive you, then you can ask for forgiveness. But if you think you're just going to get more condemnation, you're going to run away from the throne. Um, yeah, gotcha. Okay. I got the picture. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And a lot of people, they've not been taught of his love, his his mercy, his grace. And so, therefore, they don't seek it because they know that they have sinned and they look. people look down on them, people remind them of their sin. So it's the devil. He's busy reminding us of our past and the things we've done wrong. And so now we got all these other people helping to, to embed that into us or to the individual yes. so they can feel Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. I understand. And some of that toxicity comes right from the church. You know, we just, oh, you know, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another topic. But we, we're, if God is merciful, then we have to get a revelation on God's mercy so we can be merciful mm-hmm. to everybody else um, around us. And that's where we mess up with young people is that we didn't experience mercy and we haven't received mercy and grace around our own young, younger days. So we mm. often can hit the same thing that we got hit with. You know, oh, you're so fast. Oh, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to all these, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to this, you're not going to, you know, speaking words of failure, speaking words of condemnation and criticism, tearing the person down, or even if it's not the mouth, it's just one look. And that's oh. the result of yes. The person without that look is coming from someone who doesn't have a revelation on God's love for them and God's forgiveness for themselves. So they're doing their, so they're spreading their own condemnation around. So 
deepen your God connection is the first step in this transformation. And that's a process of really accepting God's love, God's mercy, and God's grace. And then in that process, you start discovering your divine identity where you realize if this is who God is, this is how God feels about me. This is this is this is who I am in God. God created me out of the abundance of love. Like, you know, in God's image, we've been made in his image. You know, mm. like there's higher than that. And so the places of um condemnation and guilt and shame and fear, anxiety, um, self rejection, um uh, comparing ourselves to others, thinking that somehow our life ought to have looked like Susie so and so's, or you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, Janice so and so's, or you know, like, the, or measuring ourselves against some standard that did not come from us. Right. So those start to fall away because it's the the overflow of God's love. Start recognizing that not only are we okay but we're accepted. We're joint heirs. We're we're it we're we're we we are in we inherit what God has given us. We we reign with God. We're in God's kingdom with him. We are we are part of the family of God. And so we start also understanding that is we have authority. We have the authority that comes from the kingdom of God because we are part of the kingdom of God. We are citizens with the kingdom of God. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of God's kingdom here on this earth. So that revelation comes first. We deepen our God connection so that we open the springs. You know, the, you know what a geyser is. You know, the geyser just you know, shoots right, water, right. water, 200, 300 feet in the air. It's like the geyser of who we are just flushes away the stuff, the lies about who we think we are. So as we discover our divine identity, then we begin to de- determine our daily disciplines. Now, in a lot of coaching programs, and these are just, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there's lots of different kinds of coaches. You know, you can have business coaches, you know, uh, life coaches, spiritual coaches, you know, uh, uh, athletic coaches, they will help you determine what your daily discipline is to accomplish the goal that you need or that you've called, you know, been called to do. So in terms of the daily disciplines that, that are in my program, it's about what disciplines will maintain that deep God connection. Because once you move off of that place where you're um, – starting to distance yourself from the connection uh, with God, then you're, you, you're just, you're wandering out into the world and then the world begins to infiltrate and put you back on the track that you were before. So deepen so, your God connection. Two, so deepening your God, deepen your uh, connection to the father, meaning to God. And what was number two now? Discover your divine identity. Discover your divine identity. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the deep intimacy with God. It's the overflow of your intimacy with God. 
And that can take how long? Usually a year, a month, days, week, depending on your how you connecting with him from a spiritual level to be able to have that re- to be revealed to you. Is that correct? Um, it takes until we breathe our last breath. You know how Paul said, oh, that I might know him. And Paul knew Jesus better than even the disciples. He yeah. had that time three years, you know. So we never, we never hit the deepest part of our relationship with God until we're with God at the end, you know, when we die. Wow. Not wow. when we die in our physical year. Yeah. So deepening our God connection is lifelong, and it gets deeper and better. And, and so I think does that's our important right now with COVID-19. Um, mm. As I said, so many people don't believe, but knowing mm-hmm. people are fearful and know there, a lot of people are willing to hear and understand what that deepened connection is because people don't know when or where someone can check out and have their last mm-hmm. breath taken from them. And it's ironic, it's the breath, the people, the COVID-19 affects the breath when people have difficulty breathing. They can't breathe. And that breath represents the Holy Spirit. He breathed into Mm -hmm. us, and now that breath is being taken from us. And when Mm -hmm. it's taken from us, to know that when you leave here, you're connected to the one who initially gave it to you, and you're just returning back to him. That is more powerful and knowing, satisfying in the mind and body that I have nothing to fear because I belong to him and I'm going back to him. I'm going back to my heavenly father. Well put. Yes, that's well put. Mm -hmm. So number three is determine your daily disciplines. And that and the... Uh-huh. Determine your daily disciplines. And that is the disciplines that maintain our relationship with God that that continues our discovery process about our divine identity. Because we don't you know you know, Ephesians three and twenty says, Now unto him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We can't mm. even think it's beyond, and that's true about our identity, and that's true about God. We 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 don't even know the marvelous, wondrous works of who we are and who God designed us to be. And that's why our intimacy with God and deepening our God connection in an ongoing way is how we start discovering the depths and breadths of who we are. Because it's beyond our ability to think and imagine it right now. And it continues to be. Just like the elders around the throne, you know, singing, you know, casting their crowns. It's like we can't even begin to see the multifaceted. We can't, we, no human mind, even I think in our spiritual ways, can we fathom the power and the, uh, the magnitude of God. So, we determine our daily disciplines to continue that ongoing intimacy and discovery process of who we are in God and who God is in this in this in all creation. So that's three. When we've done those three things, then number four is 
we begin to define our purpose. And what's really important is that this isn't linear. Like it's not like, you know, number one, okay, good, check. Then number two, check. Number three, this is a dynamic process because there is life force coming from God through us. We are constantly, God is an open, you know, like Niagara Falls, Victoria Falls, I think Victoria Falls is the biggest waterfall in the whole, on the whole planet. It's not a closed system. The water is coming from an upper source and falling down into a lower source. The water that lands in the lower source doesn't turn around and come back to the top and then recycle. We are in a continual process of God pouring and overflowing into us. I want to go back to number three. Real quick, I'm going to go back to number three when you said daily discipline. Yes. Give us our daily bread. And, and, you know, a daily, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. And I guess that daily discipline could be that cross. It can be our daily bread. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's our words, the things we speak and say, because words have power. Words are seeds. Mm-hmm. And how we mm-hmm. behave and, and reflect his love that he's poured in us that we reflect that out to people around us, that people we don't know, people of different color from us, people mm-hmm. we don't agree with mm-hmm. on a political stuff. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to have to fight with someone that has don't have a mask on, you know? Mm-hmm. How we yeah. walk in that daily discipline that brings the character of who I am out that reflects him. Yes, and everyone's is going to be different. So right. So just like you can buy, um, what was that book? The Seven Daily Habits of Highly Effective People. You could buy that book. Great book. I love that book. And you could try to um, layer those disciplines into your life and then say, okay, I'm doing all of them. But those disciplines are not going to be the disciplines that just like what you're talking about are going to deepen your God connection where that flows. It's doing exactly what you're talking about. How do I how do I maintain the disciplines that allow me to be my Christ-like self everywhere I go? And so, for one woman, it might be that there's some things that they, she has to tell herself every day. For another mm-hmm. woman, her that she has to um, there's certain passages she has to read. For another woman. She might have to go for a walk in a particular place that reminds her of the serenity of God. For another woman, she might Mm -hmm. have to, at the end of the day, there are people she has to clean up something with because she has an issue with saying things that she wish she hadn't said after she said them. And so she has to, another woman might be that she has to reflect on the things that she's really grateful for. And, and And the disciplines could be any number of things things that I'm not even mentioning because every woman has a life history that has lied to her about who she is. And so she has to do things that will allow her to remember that those are lies so that they don't fall back in on her and she gets distracted and forgets that it's a lie. And particularly like, like around money, you know, like many women – Many of us in our age group, especially in the time that we grew up, you know, there, uh, women entered the, 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 the workforce. We were 
um, you know, um, with the with the feminist movement in the 60s, and then you know certain things that uh, statutes and legislation that came in allowing women to work and have more financial independence, that did not give us mastery over money. Mm-mm. No, no, and I did not. so. Did not. If if we struggle with not having enough money or never being able to get paid what we deserve, there are things in our past so our daily disciplines might have to reflect on God's abundance. You know, He says that you know that He that we we have that His grace is sufficient, but He also says He will supply all our needs according to His riches and glory. He also said, Second Corinthians, I think it's nine and eight that says, and God will something about all sufficiency and all things so that you can abound to every good work. It's like, so there are daily disciplines that have to do with that. So depending upon what you're, where you're struggling and receiving God's love and, and identity, your daily disciplines are going to support that. Does that make wow. sense? That makes a lot of sense. But we're going to take another break. I'm just going to remind our listening audience, you're on the D-Hour Network for your help with Marsha Patterson, and we have Miss Patty White on from Midlife Visionary. We'll be right back.
can guess by now, Yolanda Adams is one of my favorite gospel singers. I just love her songs. I, it just speaks to me. And so um, I know with, um, with Patty as a coach and the things that she's doing, a lot of things will pass. People will be able to move on from that bondage sometimes that holds us back from being able to see our vision, our dreams, and our hopes. And Patty, yeah. one thing I want to talk about, what about, uh, I know you got to finish with the other four, or the other two, but what about churches? Um, the church, we don't have um, coaches or motherboards or the people that, that can guide the help. Uh, I know it used to be the motherboard. It used to be the motherboard. Is it like the motherboard, the, the mothers that used to kind of guide the church and the women in the church and the other, each each other? We lost that with the big mega church and uh, everything that we're doing now. Uh, and that we're coming to the point where we need these individual coaches, or do you do group coaching, or is it individual and group? Yes. So there's individual coaching and group coaching. Oh, and let me just say this too um, for anybody who's listening. Um, there is. Um, I do have a free gift that lines all this out that's available. You can download it. Um, that includes these five steps. And I don't, um, I'm new to your program, so I don't know how folks access it, but I do want folks to know that they can access the description of these um, keys to transformation. So I want to make sure that everybody knows that they can get a free download for that. So they have access yep, to no, that, correct? The link, the link is underneath the sh- underneath the uh, the show. It's the link is on there. So we do have the link there for that. Yeah. So yes. Yeah, so to your question, yes. So um, there's group and individual coaching, and so um, it it depends upon what the specific needs are of the um, of the person. For instance, I have you know uh, individual coaching and um, for some, um, I believe it's it's they prefer the privacy and the intimacy of a one on one on one, and for some the group experience um, is another. It's a pouring out. It's another overflow, and then you know you're developing an opportunity to start um, cheering on each other on. You know because you start. I'm I'm in group coaching myself as well as individual coaching and. The group coaching, um, I love it because um, I get to be a source of encouragement, but I also get encouraged, um, and it's really we get to cheer and celebrate when folks hit milestones. So there's a, there's a lot of benefits to, um, to both, and it just depends upon where the woman is in her journey and specifically what she's working on. Okay. You know, because okay. Some, yeah. You know, a woman um, said, Patsy, you know, I really, Patsy, I really, I, I'm not ready for group coaching, <laughs> you know, and they'll say that. They'll say, Patsy, I'm not ready for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And they like the individual coaching and that kind of thing like that. Now, I think number five was divine purpose. What was number, number four? Number five. Define your purpose. Okay, Okay. So if you're so you've got your daily disciplines keeping your fresh oil, you know, your fresh 
relationship with God, you're spending time with God, you're hearing God's voice, you're being guided. And even if you're not hearing audible, you know, on on very rare occasions I hear something audible. Usually it's an impression in my spirit, and I know it's God's voice. Mm -hmm. Um, But, um, you know, in the process of maintaining those daily disciplines, you you start seeing um, a purpose emerge. And, And usually... There's some you have some inkling of what it is because you you're doing some part of it. And, and I was going to say this, you know, the women who I'm working with now all have an idea of what it is that they're here for. So nobody I'm working with right now is clueless. You know, they 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 all have something that's that there's in their hearts, and they're all in different places of of developing those things. So defining your purpose, you start your purpose starts emerging. You know, you. Um, what I love is that God will send a divine assignment or a divine appointment along in the process, and it lines up with where you're already going. So your purpose starts to emerge in that place. Now, develop your vision is the last part, which is the place where you actually start mapping out what that would look like in a concrete way. And I'll say this, that the world tends to have us go the opposite direction. Excuse me. The world encourages us to develop the vision, you know, define your purpose in the vision as you're figuring out who's going to help you do it. Determine your daily disciplines to try to get it done. Then discover your divine, your divinity in it. Oh, you know, I believe God's calling me, and then we ask God to bless it. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Yeah. You know. Then you're I, done, I, too. I'm <laughs> <plan>, God. <laughs> Make it make it happen. So you know. Yeah, and and and, and that's truly and that's not walking in His will. That's walking in our will. So our, you know, and I've I've right. I've made some mistakes doing that. Um, and and I'm oh. telling you, you will consequences of that. And then you, oh yeah. my goodness, I was I, I was out of His will. That was me. That was me. Yeah, been there, done that. And what's a, yes, but it's important to know that. We're not being punished for it. It's not God punishing us. It's that like if you play with electricity when you're standing in water, you know. Right. In other words, if you're operating outside of God's will, it's not God saying, I'm going to get you for that. It's that we're operating far enough out of it that we're not in the protections. We're not in the guidance. We're not in the provision. You know, we're not in all of the things that overflow from God when we're in our deep connection with God. So people will say, well, God punished me. God snapped my me back from that. God, you know, we have these punitive things that we put on God, but it's like, no, these are just the laws of the kingdom. You reap what you sow. So if you, you it, yeah. know, trashing, yeah. you know, so, yeah. yeah. And I'm just so having a conversation with my Having a conversation with my niece and my grandchildren that the words are powerful and they're seeds and what you say and you, mm-hmm. you're going to reap that harvest. So you've got to say words because words are powerful and words yeah. has a profound effect. And, you know, John one fourteen he said, and the word became flesh and lived among us. And we yeah. were able to see his grace first because in the beginning he said, 
And we have that same power with our tongue and speaking these words over other people. And I think what really bothers me uh, uh, in our community, um, at least the African-American community that I'm uh, familiar with and people I know, how people Mm -hmm. tone and the words people speak to their children or each other, it has It's bad, and I really want us to learn how to speak to each other in a better tone and action because words are seed. There's a little book written by a minister out of Louisiana called Hung by the Tongue. And as I'm watching this political race and everybody on Twitter and uh, Instagram and saying stuff, and then they got to go back and retract it, I go, oh, hung by the tongue. We we just need to guard that tongue and use it for edification and praise. And if we can't say enough, folks used to say, don't say nothing at all. And allow yeah. your spirit to come down, and so therefore you're not having to retract or say things that you're going to regret or lose your job yeah. over because losing their job yeah. and everything else over because of what they say. They're being hung by that's their right. own tongue. So and, but, the and power that's, that's, was so Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, you wait, Pat. Were you? Oh, just a yes. Just I was just going to say, and that's a heart issue, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart. Yep. And so that's where deepening the connection with God is so important, because most of us, when we're being hung by our tongues, we're not we're not even conscious about the things that are coming out of our mouths because we don't have the we don't have the, real, the the intimacy with God to be able to tell when something doesn't line up with how God speaks to us. So right. when we can when we can because most of us, I mean, you know, and if and if you talk about, you know, African Americans and you think about our lineage, you know, because my mother was born in the you know nineteen twenties, and she was raised mm-hmm. by people who were born in eighteen hundreds. My father was raised yeah. by his grandmother, who was born in the eighteen hundreds. So life mm-hmm. for the next the generation beyond my parents had a very different life experience, and and it was harsh. It was a very harsh life, yeah. and so those kinds of things that get passed down unconsciously, even unawarely, it's our job right. now. It's our, it's a job is the wrong word. It's the liberty God gives us to free ourselves mm-hmm. from the historical yes. pain we've experienced generationally. God wants us free. God, right. when we receive Christ, we are free. But our minds haven't caught up, which is why we have to renew our minds in the truth of who Mind we are and who. Yeah. God is. Yes. Yeah. So the the things that we say that are cruel are just a result of the things that are harbored in our hearts because we haven't mm-hmm. uh, we haven't figured out how to let God in those places to heal. Mm-hmm. And so, That's coaching. That's yes, coaching is good for people to also who are stuck in a rut in their relationships and find themselves, you know, saying the same things. It's like, you know, we're the common denominator. We wonder why we keep having the same fights with everybody. It's because we're having that fight in ourselves. And we don't know wow. that because we're having a fight in ourselves. 
we're we're taking it out to all of our relationships and wondering what's wrong with everybody. Yeah. So and you know you're so hard. right about the heart. It's, I love the part of about the heart because that's what I say when I hear people say. Then they say, "I'm sorry, this is not me." I said, "No, this is your heart. This reflects mm-hmm. the heart because that you speak comes from the heart." And when we mm-hmm. have to clean our heart, circumcise our heart to be like God wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? And and see, we can't change our heart, but we can be willing to let God in, because you know, we, you know, if, in, as David said, in sin we were conceived, and so we, you know, one of the things that they said at my Bible college is like, you know, we're born pretty self-centered. You know, you put a child in the middle of an auditorium, and that child doesn't care that his or her screaming is disrupting the experience for everybody else. It's like. We don't really understand, you know, the impact of who we are in the world, except we just want our needs met. And so it's a process of learning how to be social and communal beings. We have to learn that. But when, but we can't, you know, you can take a program, you know, you can do behavioral modification, but behavioral modification doesn't change the heart. God changes the heart. And that's an invitation and a willingness for God to come in and change us. And some of that is first we have to recognize that there are things about us that aren't working. And recognition is the first part. And when then we have to remember, and this is all part in the deepen your God connection, discover your divine identity, et cetera, you understand that you ask God for help. You recognize that it is God who can change our hearts. God can take that bitterness away. God can take that jealousy away. God can make me yeah. stop fighting with me and being defensive. God can move me to stop thinking that I'll never have enough and that everybody will always have more than me and I'll never amount to anything. Or all the self-defeating thoughts that cycle around that make us quit before we even get halfway through. Make us say things that we regret. Make us burn bridges yeah. with relationships because we can't even face yeah. that we said that to the person. So we leave them and start over. Wow. Powerful. So everything, now, yes. with, with the women you're dealing with, are they fearful of death or their health issues? And can do you think their health issues and their fear have to do with unresolved baggage uh, or relationships, things of, of being un, un, um, resolved. So um, the majority of women I'm working with would not put health on the top of the list, but what I, I mean, health concerns. But what I can say about that is that in my work with folks who do have health concerns, we still cycle through the very first thing, which is first deepening our God connection because understanding that God wants us each walking in divine health. God never sends sickness or disease. People end up believing that God punished them with the disease because, you know, the curses of the Old Testament got carried into the New Testament teachings and that Jesus came to abolish sickness and disease. So we we don't we are not punished by God for sickness and disease. So if there's a place in our life where we're struggling with the sickness, 
there's an opportunity to deepen our relationship with God, discover our divine identity in that, and then that allows us to receive the healing that God wants us to have. Because if we think our sickness or disease is either punishment or we're punishing ourselves with what we eat or what we put in our bodies that's unhealthy, right. it's because of a, we haven't accepted the grace and mercy of God. So we're punishing ourselves when Jesus took our punishment. We, Jesus took all that onto the cross. So we actually don't have to take things out on ourselves anymore. But that requires us having a revelation of that. And in order to have a revelation of that, we need to know that God isn't punishing us and loves us and has forgiven us for everything, that God has a divine purpose for us, including that we be healthy and fit and strong and putting life-sustaining things in our bodies, and that we maintain discipline that keeps that relationship with God. And everything else comes from that. It's all overflow, overflow, overflow. So do you think fear... the Holy Go ahead. Do you think the Holy Spirit, um, if someone just listening to the program tonight um, saying, okay, uh, I don't have a coat, so what I'm going to do is start reading my Bible and asking the Holy Spirit to guide and reveal to me through divine purpose, um, just showing me. And I know many people have picked up their Bibles and read a passage over and over again, and then one day they read that passage, and it just like, it lights up at you and get a whole new revelation that you've not gotten before. Yes. Do you feel like that can coaching experience from the Holy Spirit to help people uh, that they don't have to have an individual uh, human being, that the Holy Spirit can guide you by getting into the Word, studying His Word, and He's giving you these revelations of bringing yes, it to your I remembrance? Yes, I think that the Holy Spirit, that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The only issue about not doing it without, about doing it without a coach is it takes longer without a coach. And also we are, God created us to be in community with each other. And I think that the whole coaching industry came out of a lack community that we lost. You know, when you think about the, the in the New Testament, how the saints were together. They were eating yes. and living together every day. They were correcting mm-hmm. each other and they were in you know, interrupting behavior that wasn't working, you know, one on one, then two on two or three on one, then the congregation on one, to try to help people stay in the right path. But as I can't speak of other countries, but I know in this country intimacy has been replaced by a number of things. I mean, you think about how many families still eat dinner or eat meals around the table, how many um, families spend time outside of electronics, how many, you know, we are called away from each other so that the intimacy that we would have in our daily relationships where we would move through things and help each other achieve things or help each other stay in relationship with God those things have really faded away. And I think, and this is just my opinion, I think that coaching has come to address that dearth, that lack, because we don't have the kind of relationships where people can be in there with each other. 
But then right. at the same I, time, uh, to, to say that at the same time, we have expertise as we've grown that we now can make available. And that's the thing about midlife visionary is that each and every woman who is already a midlife visionary or will be become a part of midlife visionary will be bringing a piece of that fellowship and connection that's been missing that will help revive and restore people and women into their, well, people, because the women who, who I'm working with, I, I'm just called to women, but they're called to all sorts of people. So, but that's going to bring that restoration of relationship of the Holy Spirit guided um, um, healing into whatever communities or people that they're called to, to, to be with. Wow. We're going to take another break and we're letting our listening audience know when uh, Patsy comes back. We're going to talk more about her life coach and any women that's interested in partnering with her or um, checking her out. We're going to have Patsy tell us how that's done when we come back from our network for your help with Marsha. Because I'm grateful. Because I'm grateful. 
your hands and say, flowing from my heart.
you back on the DR Network show. This is Marcia Patterson, and my host is Miss Patty White, founder of Miss Life, Mid Life Visionary. Pat, uh, Patty, we're gonna. Um, another question I have is, what is the long term or short term coaching uh, sessions you have with women? Does it go for a year or just several months, several weeks? How's the time frame when you're actually working with these women? Uh... Sure. So right now I'm in a 90-day program with the group coaching. Um, I do have somebody, and um, I do have somebody who I have um, a six-month contract with, um, and and then the others are 90 days, and some are group and some are individual. And um, what I was going to say to um, that uh, is really unique about um, this group is you were talking and we were talking earlier about some of the cultural issues. This group of women is very diverse. Um, um, We have representation calling in from South America, from Asia, um, and um, Africa. And then um, everybody's from the States. But the key thing is that we are all women and we all are in you know, the age range uh, 40 to 70. Um, and so we're all in, a, in different politics, different, just very diverse in every way, shape, and form. And so because God made us all and we all have the same five steps of transformation. So it's a powerful process that really gives us an opportunity to work that. So 90 days um, and up to, and, you know, it depends upon um, what folks um, want in their life and what it is that they see for their future. I know that the coaching program that I'm in, the group coaching one, is a year. And I know that um, when that year is up, I'm going to do another year. <laughs> you know, because the benefits, you know, you just go further, faster, maybe the word is farther, but you go farther faster when you have a coach. You go, you, there are things that you learn. I mean, there's so many different ways you can be coached. Sometimes it's skills coaching so that you're actually learning how to master the skills that on your own it might take you a few years to learn, but then you're learning from somebody who's already made the mistakes for you so you don't have to make right. them. So, and I have yeah, read so, that most successful people have coaches. Most successful people have in their lives. Absolutely. And you just, and in fact, and that's that's the thing that I I love that you asked me to be on the show. I don't know if you've had other coaches on the show, but if your listening audience hasn't been exposed to the gift that coaching is, you know, um, there are coaches for just about anything you can think of. I'm in a network of coaches. You know, so I, you know, I'm connected to people who coach on all sorts of things. And so it's like I just know that um, for anybody who really wants to, you know, because we don't know when, we don't know when the end is, right? No. But I know that Mm-mm. you can't think of a person who would not want to feel like when they breathe their last breath, they gave their all. And so part of what coaching does is it helps you get to the place where you can give your all, and you're not giving your all to the point of depletion. You're giving your all because you're flowing in the overflow of God. Wow. And 
replenished by what God has put in you continues. It's an everlasting flow. So you are moving in the capacity that God has given you because you're in constant replenishing because you're connected to God. So we want, you know, we want to know that we will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord because we have we have given our all from the place mm-hmm. of God's love flow and not from the depletion of our own. Wow, that's powerful. And you know, um last year was it twenty nineteen um or twenty eighteen. We had a family reunion, twenty eighteen. Family reunion, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we had mm-hmm. a break in between there and um my aunt was telling us where the family cemetery was plot was mm-hmm. out in um I what area it was in Louisiana. So my daughter and I drove out there to the country area and to find this itty bitty church and then the little cemetery. So as I'm walking through the family plot on this church of cemetery, I'm looking at the headstones of these people that are connected to me. Um, and I was thinking to myself as I'm walking through the cemetery, I said, Father, I want to die empty. Whatever you're going to pour mm-hmm. in me, I don't my grave. I want to go empty. I want to live out every passion, every dream, every hope that you have planted in me to come out. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of times fear and hesitation or not knowing how, and that's why I can see a coach being that person say, okay, Marsha, what is your dreams or uh, what are you hoping on? And I'm pretty sure you guys do journal because I love doing journal writing, do journaling <laughs> along the way too, correct? That's part of the therapy, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so I do I journal, too. I have a prayer journal, and I have a little journal thing, so I kind of write out my ideals and stuff, and even things mm-hmm. I would like to do. Sometimes I have, I have a bucket list, and um, yes. it's not convenient. And then I'm still adding on things, too, <laughs> to my list <laughs> that I've been adding on. But when you said what you were saying about, you know, being empty and being to be able to live out your purpose, I, I I just received those words because that's what I want to do, and I'm pretty sure our listening audience, women our age, wants to be able to do this, to live that out from age four on up, yeah. um, to be able to identify the gifts, the beauty in them, not according yes. to the world standards, but God's standards, to our Heavenly Father's standards, so what, how beautiful they are, and they're here for a purpose. Regardless of what Mama said, you know, one night stand or whatever kind of stand, you were here first, and He's going to use you when you surrender to your your yes. will and your heart to Him. And you yes. show us how to do that. Yes, and you know, it, it, absolutely all of that. And you know, um, it it was Miles Monroe who who was saying he's often quoted that the place where the greatest potential is, is in the graveyard. It's people yeah. who died without yeah. living, yeah, fully living yeah. what they were here for. So just echoing what you said, yes. So yeah. absolutely. So, so, so I would, how do people ahead, reach you? you? How can people reach you? One more time. How can people reach you? Mm-hmm. If they're interested yes. in um, 
being a part of the workshop, individual workshop, give us the 411 on how we can be a part of what you're doing. Great. Um, you can just go to midlifevisionary.com. I think you have to do the www.midlifevisionary.com. And um, and just you can um, go to the contact form and fill out a form, say you'd like to reach out to me. You can download my gift, um, which is um, something to help lay out exactly what we talked about tonight. Um, you can um, request a one-on-one strategy session with me. That's also on the website, and that's a 45-minute time to, for me to just listen to you talk about your life and um, talk about how we could work together. And that's um, and that you leave with clarity and um, clarity about your next steps. Um, and so those are the three main ways. Download my free gift. I'd love for you to have it. Um, it's it's a revelation about everything that I share tonight, um, and you, all you need to do is just have a. You can download it to your phone, or you can download it to a computer, um, contact form, or set up a time with me. And I'd love to talk with you. Now, is there something that we did not cover, or something that you wanted to share with our listening audience about uh, what you're doing for women and and the message that you have for women that you work with? or even women that would be potential to work with? I think there's anything left unsaid, but I can close with this. You are incredibly special to God. God designed you out of love. You are a handiwork, a piece of a masterpiece. God has never desired for you to be angry or frustrated with yourself or to judge yourself harshly. God did not ordain you to go through the struggles and troubles that you had. God didn't send struggles and troubles to you. So you get to, wherever you are in your life, whatever age you are, you get to open your heart to what God has for you. Because God always has more for you than what you have the capacity to receive. It's overflow. Overflow in every area of your life. Overflow in your health. Overflow in your purpose. Overflow in your finances. Overflow in your relationships. Overflow wherever you go. Overflow. That's how God wants you operating is in the overflow of his abundant love, mercy, and grace. And that's what preaches the gospel is when we're living in that overflow. That's what draws people to want to know what makes us different. But here's the beautiful thing about it. It's not even for that purpose. It's because God loves us and wants us to revel in that and receive it. God loves us when we're sleeping. God loves us when we're lazing around. God loves us when we make a mistake. God loves us when we lose our temper. God loves us when we mess things up tremendously. God's love never changes based on us. It's ours to have, enjoy, receive. And when we're overflowing with it, it hits everybody else. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, and we want that to do because we want our family and our community to walk in love, not in hate and anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. We want people to be 
be set free from that. And he's come that we may be set free and give us that life of abundance. That's great. And that's right. And one more thing about it is that we already have it. When we, as, as a Christian, mm-hmm. when we say, Lord, you are my Savior, I believe that you died for me. I believe that because you died for me and, I re- and were resurrected, when we believe that, when we make that statement of faith, it says in Romans 5 and 20, um, 21, you know, that we are a new creature in Christ. We have a new spirit. We have the spirit mm. of Christ. That means that everything that God overflows us with is already living in us. We are spirit, soul, and body. And that's another teaching, so I'm going to end it here. We are spirit. That spirit of Christ lives in us, which means we already have the kingdom living in us. So the work of renewing our minds is learning to get rid of those places of untruth by receiving God's truth and eliminating the lies. This is our work with God and our intimate relationship so that the truth of who we are actually emerges because the lies of who we're not are eliminated. We already are. Now, I have a question. With COVID-19, you're now doing everything through Zoom and virtual and phone and and computer, right? Were you guys doing things, the group group coming together as a group and doing things um, and you're studying together? So everything is done with Zoom, and a lot of it is because in the coaching industry, a lot of coaching isn't really done in person. And so, you know, just, oh. I mean, you can have sessions in person, but a lot of coaching okay. is not done in person. You know, we just oh, okay. we just have technology that allows us to do it. You know, so I can I can talk to the folks in pa- the women in Pakistan. I can talk to the women in Colombia. I can talk to the women in um, in um, you know. Maryland or uh, New Orleans or, you know, wherever people are, Texas, you know, um, North Carolina, Florida, you know, like wherever women are, as long as they have a phone that has a screen or a, or a, right. a laptop or iPad or whatever, then I get to look in their face and love them. They get to see me. We get to talk and connect. And um, it's beautiful. Wow, that is great. I just we, we're getting down to the end of the uh, of the show, but I really want to take time to say thank you again, Patsy. I mean, you taking out the time of your Sunday evening to share this information with us, and I know it's a blessing, it's a gift, and we want to be able to share that gift because that's the purpose of For Your Help Blog Talk Show. It's for me to bring people like yourself. You're giving us, you're feeding us spiritually. We've had people come on that's been had cancer, and God has set them free mm-hmm. by going back to eating from God's table and getting away from man's table. That He mm-hmm. wants us in awe, and it tells us in Revelation that He has the trees for healing, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, for our body. That we've been eating off the wrong trees because Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden because of what they were now getting kicked out of our mind as well as our body because of what we're putting mm-hmm. in it. 
So it's, the temple has to be clean physically as well as spiritually. And this mm-hmm. is what we want to be able to do. We want people to be well and whole and um, blessed. I want to yeah. invite you back again. You know, when you want to come back again, we would love to have this conversation again. Or maybe some of your ladies that you're working with kind of share their journey and encourage other women to come a part of this and knowing how they've been set free. Because sometimes it's that light. They can be that light for other women. And a lot of times we're going through the same thing, you know, menopause or empty nesters or lost a child or lost a husband or someone. And we're not alone in this journey, but knowing that there's a light and there's a purpose for us to be here, and we want people to connect to that real light, and that's just Yeshua, Jesus Christ, and our Heavenly Father, that we don't get love lost it. again. Yeah. I love our that kiddo, idea. Well, I... Yes. Bring the ladies on, and we can come back again and kind of share with them their journey and encouraging other women. So I truly, truly, truly appreciate you for being on the show. Just remind our listening Thank audience, you. you're on the D-Hour Network and Marcia Thaddison for your help. And we'll be back next week. But anyway, you guys have a blessed, safe week. And show someone you love them by showing kind Thank words that flows out of your heart. Thank you, kiddo. Thank you so much. All right. God All bless right, you. Thanks so much. God bless you, too. Thanks. Everyone, please have a blessed week and um, be safe. Uh, let's show each other love, kindness, respect, whether you're Democrat or Republican, whether you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. Let's cover the with blood and let's cover the with love. Have a blessed week.
work to me when so 